How's it going, everybody? On YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, you realize that things just line up. Take two. All right. Good morning, everybody. On YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter. My name is Austin, and I'm with Apostles Attic, and I'm with my good friend Ryan. Hi, everybody. My name is Ryan, and I'm with AIIW. You can check that out over at AIIW.org. All right. And so I want to go on with the gospel message. And it's basically the good news. And the good news is that God has done something about our sin so that we could be with him in heaven forever, should we take the pardon. And I, just to explain, it's um, the God that created everything came into his creation through the person of Jesus Christ, allowed his life to be a sacrifice on the cross, that his blood would be shed and his body would be broken for the payment of all of the sins of the world. He, the Father raised him to life three days later. And yeah, if you put your faith in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, and that his death paid for your sins, then you have a promise from God that you will go to heaven and be uh, raised to life and have eternal life. And so, Amen. Uh, Ryan, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and if you're Amen. already a Christian, uh, if you're already a Christian, there is a responsibility that you have to go out and to minister to your community and to act as a priest uh, of the Most High God and to go out and to share the gospel and to minister to everybody in your community the best that you can. And so that's what brings us here today to uh, minister to you guys here on all these different services online. We uh, both take our roles as priests very seriously, and hopefully we're uh, getting a little bit better at spreading Jesus Christ's message every single week, right, Austin? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're three episodes away, Ryan. We're, we are three episodes <laughs> away from being really, really good, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, we are um, always so, three episodes away. <laughs> um, really quick, just to refresh my memory, um, can you do you know where in the Bible it says that we are priests? Like, if I if I was like, oh, what if I'm a if I'm a believer, that means I'm a priest. Where where is that found? You have to yeah. know off the let top. Let me of let me go find that. That's not a good looking. Uh, That's a sick mustache though. <laughs> All right, so that is going to be in. Let's go to the Bible. Revelation one six. Okay, so Revelation one. Uh, so. The book of Revelation is split up into three basic parts. We have this opening kind of preamble chapter. Chapters two and three are about currently existing churches that existed when the letter was written. And then the rest of the book is about the future of what's going to happen to the planet. But what we have here in the first chapter that had that's already true, so this is all stuff that's already true, uh, it says in uh, Revelation 1, 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, just so you don't think I'm taking that completely out of context, I'll read chapter verses uh, 4 through 6 in their totality. And it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. So these are real, actual, physical places that you could go and bodies that you could have worshipped with at the time. And he says that, and he continues, Grace to you and peace from him him being capitalized, who is and who was and who is to come, that's a title for Jesus, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, 
and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Okay, so it sets Jesus up as the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so, what, and so what this is saying is that he's washed us from the sins in his own blood. Okay, so that's something he's already done. That's something he did on the cross about 2,000 years ago. And so when we see this and, and it continues, and has made us kings and priests, that's not something that's going to happen in the future. That's something that's already happened, where I believe that, that I'm a king, but also I'm a priest, which carries some responsibilities with it. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, you're welcome. It absolutely does, because I didn't want people to think that, you know, that... Uh... Uh, yeah, I just didn't want that no, we're just making it up that, or yeah. Yeah, yeah, that it's biblically based absolutely. This is All yeah. Right. And then we also have something from the Pacific Justice Institute that I wanted to read. Let me see if I can Uh can you it. put that link for me to go grab it actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I can show our friends here. Again for people on um who are listening for our audience, Pacific Justice Institute is I think they're a nonprofit and um, they they represent um, religious freedoms and just different things with faith-based institutions that get attacked or like just different stuff. So you'll they um, I think they represent people for free and, and just different stuff. So there's always they always got something going on in the headlines and so I wanted to kind of go over something with nice. Uh, yeah, I, I love Ryan. supporting them. Uh, they do a ton of really great work um in protecting our freedoms and allowing us to be able to make this podcast you know there's there's countries around the world where it would be illegal for us to do something like this and speak freely uh so i'm just very thankful that uh these kinds of places exist that want to protect us and protect our freedoms so and me... um we don't we don't actually like work with them or anything i just think it's a good thing that uh, if you're a christian you should stand up for Christian causes and things because the world is standing up for worldly causes. So we mm -hmm. as a church should be standing up for Christian causes. And so, yeah. And so I think they do that really well. I, I don't think they even charge. I think they just want to make sure that um, religious freedoms are protected and, and stuff like that. So that's why I that's really beautiful. like them. And yeah. And, uh, right, you know, so if, if you feel led to uh, go, if you feel led to, you can check them out. What was their uh, website? It's like probably like PJI.org or something. Pacificjustice.org. Pacificjustice.org. So go, so go check them out. And uh, if you feel led to, you can make a donation to them. I'm sure they're doing some really good work. So, all right. Well, yeah. I've got the web, right. web page pulled up for us. Sweet. Okay. And so just making sure, because I'm not looking at the, the stream, are we on mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. and Important Victory for Relief yes. Freedom? Yes. That That's exactly right. where we're at. <laughs> Washington, D.C. in an important victory for religious freedom. The Supreme Court has unanimously redefined how employers are able are to accommodate requests from religiously observant employees going forward. Pacific Justice Institute's President Brad Dacus applauds this important decision, saying this is this is not a victory for just one postal worker, but also for the thousands of the many types of employees that we represent who are being discriminated against and not accommodated simply because of their faith. Um, oral arguments in Groff versus DeJoy 
were heard by the Supreme Court uh, this past April, and it quickly became clear that even the court's liberal justices were sympathetic to the plea voiced by the plaintiff, uh, Gerald Groff. The evangelical Christian had been employed by the United States Postal Service, uh, USPS, since 2012 as a rural carrier associate, um, a position whose responsibilities, including covering for colleagues who had earned time off on weekends, following the USPS uh, having contracted uh, uh, having contracted with Amazon to deliver packages on Sundays, Mr. Groff made clear that he could not work Sunday shifts due to his religious beliefs and his need to observe the Sunday Sabbath. He requested a religious accommodation. Um, and though the Postal Service initially offered a small adjustment, um, they eventually suggested that he observe the Sabbath on a different day. All right, Ryan, did you want me to just want to talk about that for just a minute? Yeah, so I... Or did you want I, to... You're, you're, whatever you want to do. Um... You know, this is a uh, a very important case for religious uh, freedom in this country and, and what it means to be a uh, a Christian and, and to have freedom here in the, in the United States. So, you know, obviously we have let's the first, first amendment. point. Yeah, let's, let's say the first point. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that we have a couple different things. We got the the protecting religious freedoms and then um, the Sabbath on the Sunday and they're saying to observe it on a different day. So those those two points Did you want to talk about. Uh, go ahead and talk about those. Yeah. So I actually don't necessarily disagree with uh, with the Postal Service suggesting that he observes the Sabbath on a different day. Uh, I, I, I disagree with the way they said it, because you can't just like. You're allowed to observe it as a Christian whenever you want. There's there's almost complete freedom in how you observe the Sabbath as a Christian today. But uh, ultimately, the, the word Sabbath, it means Saturday, right? Like if you look at Spanish, sabato, okay, it comes from the word Sabbath. And so where Christians get the idea that it changed to Sunday, it, it's it's a hotly debated and discussed issue. Um, my understanding is that it was changed uh, around about 300 AD. We do see instances of people worshiping on Sundays before then. Uh, there, the the disciples and everybody gathered together uh, on Sundays right after Christ died. So there's, but they were gathering together on a lot of different days, not just Sunday. So the the fact that this Christian is asking a court to rule on whether or not. Uh, this other lab this other institution it happens to be the the postal office or the postal service can yeah. require him to work on a sunday despite his religious belief well as a court what they part of what this case had to go over is well does he have a proper uh backing for his reasons religiously to to ask for sunday off and so it's like, know, are you able to just believe whatever you want religiously and then be exempt of whatever you want? You know what I mean? Like, is that is that kind of what you're saying? Do we have to uh, actually look into like their Yeah. So you can believe whatever you want. The the issue is, does your actual religious text support that? Right. Like, you can't just say that my religious beliefs say that I can't carry mail, but you're required to still employ me as a postal worker. And you just accept that. Right. Like. The, the Postal Service doesn't have to keep paying you if you're not going to do your job just because you claim that it's it's something to do with your religion, right? So you have to sense. actually go and prove this is where my religion came up with this tenant. This is why I believe that, you know, and then they might have to find something else for you to do. Uh, 
and so you know the the whole court case was on had to sorry not the whole court case but some portion of the court case had to discuss where his uh religious belief that he should observe a sabbath day at all comes from and so they would have started back in genesis and explained that god set out uh you know sat the sabbath day as a day of rest there he didn't need to rest but he did that as a an image of what we should do uh, and then you can go through and you can lay out the rest of the argument in the case from there my belief is that the sabbath day isn't sunday uh it's great and dandy and fine that we all want to worship on sundays and and the Bible specifically says not to judge people. So there's on like the days. nothing wrong with it. So there's nothing wrong with observing the Sabbath on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with us all gathering together and having church on Sundays. But does it rise to the level of I need to get this day off from my job and this case needs to go all the way to the Supreme Court? I don't think that there's actually a strong enough case to be made biblically that your Sabbath has to be Sunday. Uh, my guess is he also included arguments of, uh, but my whole community worships on Sunday. My church worships on Sunday to be part of that community and that fellowship. That's a I have strong to... grounds, I think. So like, like that's... I'm a part of a large community. I have responsibilities. It takes place on a Sunday. Like I have to go to those things. Like, cause I've committed yeah. to doing things on Sundays. Like I'm a part of a ministry. Like mm -hmm. I said, I'd show up. Like, do you know what I mean? There's, exactly. There's... Well, and then and then the other side. So I'm going to try to steal man his argument as best I can, because the other side of it is he went and he specifically worked for an organization that up until whenever this was 2012, they didn't work on Sundays. Right. The post office did not deliver mail on Sundays because it was the Sabbath. And so you have all of that legal precedent in there as well. All the banks are closed on Sundays the United States government shuts down for Sundays except for the post office and the things that need to continue working. Like there's a whole host of things that have historically uh, stopped because of the Sabbath. And so, you know, the, in this Supreme court case, all of those arguments need to be made. And so it sounds like my understanding is that they came down on the side of accommodating this person uh, for his religious beliefs, which is probably what's best for this country and and the fact that we have religious freedoms and and the government shouldn't be able to tram trample on those but i question whether or not he has that right to even claim that sunday is the sabbath and that's the day that he should be worshiping on so that's Apparently that's my two cents on that says he eventually resigned citing his difficulties and later sued the usps charging them with violating federal anti-discrimination laws yeah, uh, he lost the trial um, and on appeal based on the 1977 Supreme Court decision, Trans World Airlines versus uh, Hardison, which had limited um, uh, employers needs to accommodate employees, religious beliefs and practices. So apparently there's a Supreme Court decision that limits that. So uh, sorry, Trey, you said Trans World Airlines versus Hardison. Mm hmm. So apparently there's a Supreme yes, okay. Court decision that that limits limits the accommodation of um, some of the religious, like because like you can't go crazy with it. I can't. Mm -hmm. I think is the idea there, right? Yes, so. And, and so what a lot of people don't understand is that the Supreme Court, you know, they don't have some special ability to, uh, to uh, translate. What's the word to de determine what the the Constitution means, and so. You know, you're going to get nine people who are hopefully very brilliant and smart that get up there and, and 
decide things. And so back in 1977, they decided that we can't let you get too crazy with your religious accommodations. So we're going to curtail that as, you know, where, you know, it, like like they said in Transworld Airlines versus Hardison, you know, limited employers needs to accommodate religious beliefs because under the First Amendment, you know, the government should technically like accommodate absolutely anything you possibly could think based on kind of the way that it's written. But this kind of rolled that back a little bit. But in but since then, we have a much more conservative court today than we did back then because of President Donald J. Trump and uh, appointing three of the justices. And so we were able to go back and relook at some of these cases, not that specific case, but look at that, those precedents and d determined that that had gone a little bit too far in uh, not in not accounting for people's religious beliefs. And so what the court does is they then determine a test. So my guess is somewhere in here there's something about a test that can be done uh, when you're going to court uh, by the next justices in future cases to determine whether or not something is a violation of your religious rights or not. And so that'd be very like interesting. There's a formula to... for it. Yeah, exactly. And so there's formulas for all sorts of things to determine whether or not you know you you violated this law or that law or if it's so that's that's what the that's what basically what the court does is determines a test to then go in and do on the rest of uh the future cases uh that come in this area so yeah uh i i, I i'm very supportive of people having religious freedom in this country obviously i enjoy that and you enjoy that right now uh, we're using our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion to be able to talk to everybody here online and spread our beliefs. Um, so uh, one thing, I'm going to be going to Israel. Actually, I just booked the flight oh, last uh, night. Um, oh, that's uh, awesome. Not, yeah, uh, so if you could all pray for me about that, keep me safe and help me to... Definitely will, yeah, definitely will. But one of the things that's different about Israel from the United States is you can't preach the gospel to a minor in Israel. That's a criminal offense you can be arrested probably fined potentially jailed over preaching the gospel or any religious beliefs to a minor and so in israel would... uh, sorry go ahead continue yeah yeah so in israel if i were to go and do this live stream there i could possibly uh i could possibly have to be an 18 and upstream it'd have to yeah, be like a mature I, stream i think i don't know exactly how they handle it but it's potentially possible that i face criminal prosecution for sharing the gospel like this i'm not i don't think that's exactly the case but i could see a scenario where that would be true given their laws on me going out in public and proselytizing to minors and so that's that's not a problem here in this country you can go out in public and you can say whatever you want because we have the first amendment and there is no other country on the planet that has the the freedoms that we do as far as speech and religion go yeah um it's uh, uh so on one hand persecution is a gift from god and on the mm -hmm. other hand it's also a blessing that would you say that we're able to be in this prosperity and religious freedom like where how how would you view that like and what do you think about that so i i think that it's a it's a blessing whatever situation god puts you in you know what we're yeah. called to do is to act appropriately regardless of what the situation is and so if we were in a situation where we had less religious freedom 
what we're called to do is to break those laws and to go against that and to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not saying to go to what Israel and break like? their law, uh, right, but right. like the, the, the Romans, right? The Romans, you just couldn't be a Christian because you wouldn't submit to Caesar the same way. And so what it would look like is not submitting to Caesar, not putting uh, what they would do is uh, for like a religious ceremony, you would take a pinch of I think it was salt or something and you would put it into the fire as a signal of your uh, kind of like devotion to the, the ruler of the country or the Caesar. And so Christians couldn't do that because you're not going to because that's a, it's a religious thing. You're acknowledging that the emperor is kind of like a god above you. And you're kind of worshiping them by doing it. And so Christians couldn't do that. And so what, what Christians would do is they wouldn't do it. And then they'd get persecuted. It's, you know, it would start off by trashing your businesses and harassing you. And then ultimately a lot of people got martyred or, or murdered by the state because of their religious beliefs and because they wouldn't, you know, put that pinch of salt in. But what it did is it signaled to all of those soldiers that are executing you, all the people that are watching, that you took your beliefs very seriously. And that has a huge impact on people. When when somebody goes and literally dies for something that they believe in, while saying that you can have that same that, that same salvation, that makes a big impact on people. And so Christianity tends to spread the fastest where we're persecuted the most. Oh, that's a really interesting. Um, whereas like here in the united states we're not persecuted really at all like we might get some jerks on facebook that call us names or something once in a while right but like we're not we're not getting There's other uh, parts of the world that wishes that's what their persecution was mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> exactly and, and so uh you know what what you see happening in our society is that our uh, Christian beliefs are atrophying, that they're they're degrading before our eyes, right? You know, we have all these teachers that are trying to trans children and get them to turn gay, and we have, you know, our politicians are getting us into horrible, corrupt wars for money, and, you know, we yeah. can just see at every level the the Christian beliefs and values that we once had have been degraded and are being replaced by Satan. I mean, literally this year during Pride Month, uh, we saw a whole bunch of pride festivals where they were chanting, we're coming for your children. We, ha you know, hail Satan. Satan uses pronouns like they're they're coming out and 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 they're uncloaking now because we've gotten to a point in our society where we are so against God that we can tolerate those public displays in a way that we never would have in the 1950s. So we really, guys, if you're like, if you're hearing this and it, it's disturbing, you should pray for our country, honestly. You should really, really pray for our country and you should pray for the people who are deceived because mm -hmm. <clears throat> ultimately, like, I've only been a Christian for three years. The deception is really, really thick. It's really, really thick. And so you got to have the courage as well to, like, speak out to other people. Like, uh, I, I thank God for Christian that mm -hmm. he was willing to, like, risk looking so weird and, and like being <laughs> uncomfortable to just be like like I, I haven't really shared my testimony but uh, long story short like I was um looking up stuff on YouTube before Christ like um how to do things that I find out are very bad mm. like I'll, I'll just say astral projecting and we'll leave it at that and yeah. obviously I came it was new age stuff and everything was unsuccessful thank god but I go to I go to I get this job at Class A right and um, Christians there and like 
I'm just telling him, yo, dude, I'm like at home trying to like learn how to do this stuff. And his jaw just drops. And he's just like, that is of the devil. You need to stop. You need to really, really stop. But, like, And like he was so concerned for me. Like he it, it was just crazy. So like, well, it's it, it, it's so funny kind of seeing the other half of that because Christian had just kind of him and I. So this is our buddy Christian Silva. He was on the podcast the last one that week. Did the fourth of July. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Just, he was the one that witnessed to me about mm -hmm. Jesus. If, if everybody. Yeah. So uh, so it was so funny because like he's been going to church basically his whole life. Uh, me and him met when we were when we were both in high school at a church called Brea Baptist. And um what was so funny is up until literally like maybe a year, maybe six months, it might have been literally like right that time when he was hearing you talking about like astral projecting and this other horrible stuff that you might have been trying to get into. Uh he didn't believe demons were like real before that. Like literally at that exact moment was when he had started to make that connection between like this spiritual war and the spiritual realm is all real and it's something that you need to be concerned with. And so it's just so beautiful how God works where he started to put that on Christian's heart. And so by the time that, you know, you come around literally at that like exact same time, he sees that in you and, and he's just, you know, he's horrified now that he believes that demons are a, a real thing that could enter into you and like take control of your body. So now he has legitimate concerns for your spiritual well-being, legitimate concerns for your spiritual well-being that he wouldn't have had just a couple months before, potentially, depending on yeah. kind of how everything lined up. Because I remember it was about the same time he like literally <laughs> we we lived together or had or I was over at his house. I can't remember. And he came downstairs and was like, oh, my gosh, guys, I, demons are real. <laughs> like, literally, literally at about that exact same time. So it's just, it's so funny seeing your other half of it where you're like, I was starting to get into some demon stuff. And then Christian came along. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? It was it was cool because, like, um, it just started to happen and it got stamped out really quick. And so, yeah. like, I'm glad Amen. everything was unsuccessful because I hear I've heard other people's testimonies about how they mm -hmm. were successful. And I'm just like, yep. oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So, or if you had, like, yeah, uh, yeah. gone down the uh, again, these are all things that we do not support. Don't get into this. But if you had gone down, like, the psychedelic route or right. different routes where it's much easier for, I, I believe demons can actually possess someone. So just to be clear to the, all of our listeners, I believe that all of you that, see that stuff in the Bible, is, that's biblical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so you can be taken over by a demon. You can have those kinds of problems if you're not in Christ. Okay. None of that's uh, yeah, an issue doesn't for the me. the Bible say that Austin? you cannot be possessed if you're a Christian or if you're, if you have the Holy Spirit in you. Right. So uh, there, there's a few, yeah, essentially that is a teaching. It's never directly stated like that, but uh, there, there's things like you can't serve two masters. And right. basically when you are in Christ Jesus, you are as completely protected as you could possibly be. It's like you have your spiritual defense shields up and it's not, but they're not even yours. It's, it's like you've gone into, you've come into Jesus Christ's spiritual defense shields and you know, it, it, it's it's so much safer to be there than anywhere else because, like, anybody that isn't a Christian, seriously, pray to God, start looking into that immediately because there are so many things that can attack you, that can cause you problems. And, and you know, unfortunately, we live in a world where you might get hit by a bus tomorrow and you if, might not yeah, have. Yeah, if you don't, 
if also if you don't believe in Christ and you consider yourself an intellectual person and you're hearing this podcast, just read one of the gospels in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just 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 see what just see what it's all about because that's what it is. Is like you, you gotta you gotta see this stuff for yourself. Um, God promised in the Old Testament that there was gonna be this suffering Savior that would come and deliver the world of their sin and then you find out in the gospel what that actually looks like and there's four gospels matthew mark luke and john and if again if you consider yourself an intellectual and you're hearing this and maybe you disagree or something you should go and read those gospels because that's where the ministry of jesus is going to be found Mm -hmm. and uh, and and, you know just try to do it without a lot of your preconceived notions so a a lot of times mm -hmm. and just you know think about the actual words that are being said like we can actually have legitimate uh, salvation, legitimate uh, peace when we are in Christ Jesus. And so that's, that's a big problem with our society today. We're, we're incredibly anxious. We, we don't have a lot of peace. We see a lot of strife out on the streets and, and people just, you know, having issues and, and problems that we didn't have before, despite the fact that we're more well-fed than we've ever been. We have more, more money as a, as a country than we've ever had. Like, you have access to running water and electricity for the most part. You know, there are so many blessings that we have in this country. It can only be because you can, the, the only place to find peace is in God, right? Like, this country is so completely blessed. I can't fathom how we are so much worse off, so much more anxious, if it weren't for the fact that we had strayed away from God and that, uh, you know, that, that we're all following, you know, basically what the devil wants. That's the only way that would make any amount of sense that a people is prosperous and, you know, doing as well as we are. I mean, who here doesn't have a, a, what is this? A thousand dollar item in their pocket, a couple hundred dollar item. I I have a $50 Walmart phone. It's me. But I mean, (laughs) but I mean, that's, that's still far more capable than, uh, than computers were six years ago. You see you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's a like, full-on smartphone, yeah. It's a full-on smartphone. You can edit videos. You could be doing this live stream from the phone if you wanted to. Yeah, I could right? connect like, to Discord through Wi-Fi and, yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, we have so much more technology. We have so much more prosperity today than we've ever had, but we're probably the most unhappy we've ever been. And I can't explain that from a secular worldview. From a, from a secular perspective, what's the explanation for why the United States is more unhappy today than it was 50, 150, 200 years ago. And the answer is we're less Christian. We, we don't have the peace and the, the assurance that comes with knowing Jesus Christ and, and understanding that he's saved us from the consequences of our sins. At least that's, On, uh, that's my opinion. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I can attest to that. Like you're, you're I mean, being so, from a christian worldview god made you and he made a part of you to like like be fed by him and so you stray from him you're not you're not seeking a relationship with him there's going to be some part of you spiritually that is starving in my opinion mm-hmm. and like i didn't realize that until i came to christ and like it was just like it's just nuts i can 
it's just crazy so it's like okay jesus you want me to have faith in you okay i'm worried about xyz okay I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have faith that you're gonna deliver me from this and you're gonna provide for me and you're gonna help me through this okay i'm just gonna stop worrying all right you said uh have faith in you so it's it's so nice to cast all my worries and anxieties on jesus because mm -hmm. that's where my faith is what i don't want my faith to be in my car that thing will break down i don't want my <laughs> faith to be in my income i might lose my job mm -hmm. like i just have faith in god that he's just gonna consistently provide th for me through from situation to situation you know what I mean? Like I get, I get fired from my job. Oh well, he's gonna, uh, he's currently setting up a place for me somewhere. I just gotta go find yep. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, and and ultimately, just... uh, you know, you can't have faith in in your country either, right? Like if the Supreme Court case has, had gone the other way and we lost certain religious rights, or I didn't have the ability to to go out and spread the gospel, I'd still be doing that, right? I'd break that law. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's uh. Sorry, I kind of lost my <laughs> my place there, but uh, yeah, it's 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 wonderful the the assurances that we have in Jesus Christ, and and my my biggest desire is that uh, that we find more people to to bring them into the the family of of Jesus, right? Like that's that's my goal. Just cast those nets as far and wide as we can. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and let's see where we're at now. All right. Do you, um, my buddy Ryan here makes some really good content and it is on, it is called As It Is Written and mm -hmm. you can find it on YouTube pretty much everywhere that yep. makes sense, right? To have it somewhere, right? Exactly. So, um, he's got, we are going to be looking at a clip that he is going to be showing for us. So what is, what do you have on tap for us, Ryan? What are we going to be looking at? Yeah, so it's titled Give God 100%. Uh, the characters Ooh. that will show up are Seamus Coughlin and uh, what, Michaela Peterson. Uh, so Seamus is a regular on a uh, podcast that I watch called TimCast. Uh, he is a Catholic, so he doesn't have the exact same beliefs that we do. They're about 90... Tim Pool's thing? Yes, that's Tim Pool. Uh, so you can check that out. I, I, I enjoy that podcast for political commentary and stuff. Um, so he shows up and he's a regular on that and he was interviewed on Michaela Peterson's podcast and she is Jordan Peterson's daughter. Uh, and so, okay. so they get into some pretty, a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, she just recently came to Christ, praise God. Um, oh, wow. so she, I yeah, believe she, God. I believe she is uh, some some brand of evangelical Christian. So we should also pray that she would lead her father to Christ. That's what because uh, I think he's on the yeah. fence, but he's clo as close as mm -hmm. he's ever been. So he's, well, he's getting attacked on all sides on, as far as that goes. Uh, Maybe his, he his... does have a faith in Jesus. <laughs> then uh... <laughs> well, uh, well, I, I, by attack, like, I mean, I'm just <laughs> well. His wife is is actually starting to practice Catholicism, so definitely oh, be praying for for Jordan your Peterson. Buddy. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, I love my Catholic friends, but they don't know the gospel and, and they don't know how to be saved. They think it's this whole religious right you know, wait, system, but I would be honest, dude. Like, I, I, I know, I know you're being honest too. I'm not saying that you're not being honest. So mm -hmm. like the issue is like, so I, I went to like a Lutheran church and I can see like, like a lot of the stuff that like cat like catholics with the early church fathers and, and and stuff like that right and and so it's like the if you went to a, a, like a catholic right and you were like so yeah 
like like what I was saying earlier in the thing, um, earlier in the intro, like the God that created everything stepped into His creation as the mm -hmm. through the person of Jesus Christ, and He allowed His perfect life to. Uh, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He allowed His perfect life to be a sacrifice on the cross. He rose three days later, and if you put your faith in Him, you will go to heaven. I'm. They believe that stuff. So they just added a whole a yes. whole bunch of other things, and mm -hmm. so. They're not going to disagree with you on that fundamental, but they're just going to – But go ahead if you want to disagree yeah, with that. Yeah, so uh, w one thing you said in there that they wouldn't agree with they, – they will agree with you, okay, but they don't actually act out that agreement. Uh, and, and the actual church teaching is different than what they would agree with, but you said by faith alone. And, and so that's the key. The Catholics do not agree with – by with with being saved by grace through faith alone they believe that it's by grace through faith plus works okay and, and so that's what and so then done. where do you balance that with like james says faith without works is mm -hmm. dead so like where yes. do you balance that so what what the bible consistently does throughout the new testament is it describes your faith as, as or your your spiritual life as a tree okay and that tree if it's if it's planted in good soil, if it's getting watered, if it's getting the nutrients that it needs, what will happen is it will, by definition, it will start to produce good fruit. Okay, and so what James is doing when he says that faith without works is dead, what he's saying isn't that the works are what cause you to have faith, or that the works are what cause you to have salvation. He's saying that the works are a product of your salvation. That that when you do those works you aren't doing them to earn or merit your salvation the way that a Catholic would say. It's a result it, of. It is a result of your salvation. I, I have been taken over by Jesus Christ. I am a slave to him. That's what I claim, okay? And if that's the case, then by definition, I'm going to be doing what my master wants me to be doing, okay? Why do you call and, me Lord if you're not going to do what I ask? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so what James is saying isn't that the works cause you to have faith the works don't cause you to have salvation they are a product of that salvation and of that faith and so to, to double down on that he even says like let me show you my faith by what i do like let me exactly. act, let me act it out you say uh this is my faith but i will i will show you like and that and you will see my faith through what i do like and mm -hmm. it, it's it's really interesting so he's like i'm so about it that you'll just know like <laughs> yep well and and that's that's the key like the difference between me and an unsaved unbeliever is the actions that I'm going to take, right? As a believer, I, as someone, I don't have to. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be sinful. But there's going to be areas where I am producing fruit. Like, for me, these podcasts, the work that I've been doing here is is some of that fruit, okay? I'm not doing this because I'm trying to get saved. I'm doing this podcast because I'm already saved, and it just pours out of me. You know, you, we were talking a little bit before uh, about how you would love to be able to do this every day and that you get so energized by um, by doing these podcasts. Right. That's because do, yeah. it's what God's calling you to do. And it's because that's you know, that's what we're supposed to do once you're saved. You don't you don't have a, a like you don't even really control it anymore at that point. I, obviously, we do. And I could not do this, of course. But. Once you've been saved, once you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, you just want to to find ways to serve God, to glorify God, and to do what he commanded you to do. If, if you have a healthy relationship with God, right? And so James is just saying, look for those people. 
those people that have a healthy relationship with God, they're going to be producing good works. There's just no two. Yeah. And, and for me, like, um, like the, like all the, all the stuff that I'm starting to do, it took a lot of like, so again, been a Christian for three years. It took, it took like, and when I first came to faith, like it took me a while before I was like slowly putting down some things. Like mm-hmm. I would just be doing things that, cause you, I just came to Christ. I, I it's been, um, again so most of my life had been outside of the church outside of faith in christ and so I'm, I'm doing things as usual and i'm like let's say for example i'm using profanity and for some reason i'm like really uncomfortable with my own profanity now like it's just <laughs> making me uncomfortable and i'm just like wondering where this is coming from like that's the stuff that would start to happen is like and like three years later like there's a, just a lot of changes when i look back to like literally one day before i came to christ to like right now there's just a ton of changes but like if you were to ask me a, a year into my faith, like, are you, do you have fruit? Like, and I would, I would have had doubt. I would have been like, no, I have nothing mm-hmm. to show for my faith to be completely honest. And like, but it just, the Lord takes time. And that's kind of what it, it, speak to like sanctification for a second. Like, well, I know uh, that's a big fancy Christianese word, but if you ahead. could, it, sorry, if you could bring that up in just a second, I had something I wanted to say. Uh, oh, go for it. Go for it. Like you might not have felt like there was fruit, but me watching you from the outside there was a ton of fruit in your life immediately like you were you were going out and trying to talk to people about christ as soon as i met you i don't know how long after you know you got saved that was but like that was something that um that that was something what oh yeah yeah okay sorry so that was something that like i saw from you i could see that that was something you there was no way you were doing that before you were saved right but uh, you know, I could believe I, I was see... that guy. I could not believe I was that guy. Like, yeah. like telling people, like, "Yo, put your faith in Jesus Christ. He died for your sins." I could not believe I was that guy. To be completely mm-hmm. honest, like, it was a, like before Christ. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just gonna be completely honest and bear my soul here. I thought it was funny. Like when when people were saying that stuff. Like like it, it seemed like Jesus was a cop out. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you just you messed up real big. So like you know, Jesus forgive you of your sins, right? And so mm-hmm. it was just like. It's it's so much bigger and beyond that, but like yeah, so it's it yeah <laughs> yeah. Everything so, okay over there? Yeah, everything's great. Sorry, I was just keeping uh, uh, doing some housekeeping. Um, you said you wanted me to expand on sanctification, right? That was that's yeah, what sanctification. It was? So 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 basically, yeah. um, so uh, let me let me just uh the the basis of salvation. There's there's three components to it. There is justification sanctification and glorification okay so the first thing it it always has to go in this order you always have to be justified first and so justification is a is a fancy word uh for being uh uh, having your sins taken away okay so if you are so let's let's say that i am a thief and i go and i stole a candy bar okay if i went before the court mm -hmm, (laughs) that that i've broken the law I could be justified in front of the court if I was somehow forgiven of that offense. Now, I'm not saying that you could be, but oh. you would be justified. You would stand before the court justified. Okay. If somebody paid for what you stole? Basically, yeah. If somebody else had paid for it or the shopkeeper either forgave didn't know, forgave me, whatever, whatever the case is, somehow if I didn't have the guilt of it, I would be justified. And so justification is... The process by which you actually admit to Jesus that you're a sinner and accept him into your heart and believe that he will ultimately 
uh, he has not will he has paid for the consequences of our sins. So that's that's justification. It's just accepting Jesus Christ. It's that first step as a Christian that we all take when we put our faith in him. And so then sanctification is the next step that starts happening, like you said, almost immediately afterwards, where your heart starts changing. Okay, it's it's the process by which you become clean. You be, you, your life changes from being that of a sinner and a, a, an unrepentant sinner who who is just wallowing in his sin like a pig in filth, to now you're you're getting out of that filth. You're you're taking a bath, right? Now you're a clean pig. And then, but sanctification is, is, is transforming you into what you should be to be more like Christ. And so you transform from that horribly degenerate sinner into a person who is modeling Jesus Christ in their daily life as best as you possibly can. And so that is a process that we will never complete until we are glorified. And glorification happens when you either die or when we get raptured by Jesus Christ. And so... Whichever comes first whichever comes first. And so glorification is just us being taken from this physical reality that we're in right now to the reality that is heaven, where we will get to exist with Jesus Christ for eternity. And so that's that's kind of the, the whole process of salvation. There's those three terms. And so, oh, that, that is a good sound of some kind. King and Queens is now something. Let's see. Oh, I missed it. I hey, think we're we got figuring it out. Uh, kings and queens. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your view wherever that's at. I think it's on I think, Twitch. <laughs> I think they followed or something. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so for thank you. for watching and tuning in. Um. All right. Well, but back to so you know it's it, it's all you'll see different aspects of salvation be referred to. So like there will be places where it uses the word salvation or uh or it will use like saved basically in the Bible but it might be talking about one of these three different facets. So it might be talking about justification or it might be talking about sanctification or it might be talking about glorification. And so there, these different things that the, uh, the Bible is talking about might be interpreted by Catholics. You know, it might say the word saved here, but it's really talking about glorification. And so that might have, some different implications here and there. Oh, interesting. And so something okay. to be aware of as you read the Bible, when it's talking about salvation, it might be talking about slightly more specific things like justification or sanctification or glorification. So, yeah. And so again, it's, uh, everybody... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no you, you restate it. You're good. No, I, I wasn't going to restate it. I was going to move on. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Move on? Yeah. So uh, the, the basics of, uh, of salvation is you have to start out and you have to be justified. And the only way you can do that is through the sacrifice that Jesus made and having faith in that. So, and then the yeah. rest of it is the process for the rest of your life. And you, you'll just go through that automatically. All right. And then, so again, everybody, my buddy Ryan makes some pretty good content over at AIW.org. <laughs> you can find him on a lot of different platforms. And we are going to react to one of his videos. So what was it called one more time, Ryan? So it's called Give God 100%. I totally forgot <laughs> that we were doing that. <laughs> Where is, oops, that's not good. Uh, nice. Sorry. There we go. Into the abyss <laughs> I go. Uh, All right. Let me go ahead and start that. Give me one second here. Um, being in two separate locations and doing a live stream is fun. You know what I mean? It's super, super fun. All right. Yep, we're go. figuring and it out. Three, two, one. So when you said you felt you discovered God, what was that? Was it just like in a single moment you realized that things just lined up too well? I had a dream, and this loud thundering voice just yelled, "Do it! 
in the dream. And I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and was like, I think I just got yelled at by God. I think that just happened. That's what it felt like. What does that mean? What does it mean? So I had kind of a rough morning. I was like, I don't know what this means. Is that really what happened? Um, and then it occurred to me that I think what it meant was just go all in. Don't do this like 75% in. Amen. It yep. is so important to go in 100% for God. As Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Praise God, Michaela has come to Jesus Christ, and I hope that everyone watching does as well. Praise King Jesus. Praise his holy name. Good stuff, Ryan. Oh, thank you. Good. Thank you. So, um, uh, yeah, one of the things that I remember that that just um, uh, uh, like woke up a, a memory. I can't remember where it is in the Bible, but uh, one of the prophets, I think it was Elijah. He's so fed up. He's like, look, if you're going to worship the Lord, then worship the Lord. And if you're going to worship Baal, then worship Baal. But like God is like, I, I can't. Or he was basically saying he doesn't like the on the fence stuff. Like, mm -hmm. uh, do you do you remember where that is? Or can you speak to that really quick? Um. Oh man, uh, I I don't know specifically off the top of my head. I can look it up for us though. No, you're good. Well, you're okay. good. Yeah. But, am I am I correct in saying that at least? Yes, I, I I've uh, I I know that spot as well. I've I've read that passage, and it, you know, it's 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 so you can't go halfway in for God. There is no way to test out or try out your belief in Him. Okay, either you believe in Jesus Christ and 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 the work that He did on the cross, and your hearts. Uh, you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit of the sins that you've committed and you repent of those and turn to Jesus. Like that's, that's the only way to get the benefits of salvation. You can't dip your toe into salvation. So, you know, that's, it, it, it obviously was a, a process for Michaela to, to come to God. And I'm not saying that you can't go through a process where you come to the realization over a period of time, of course, but you're not saved until you go all in, like she, like she was saying. She had to go all in for God, and, and that's what he was telling her in that dream. And I, I don't think that. So number one, you have to be in the scripture. So if, if you're, even if you get dreams that you think are from God, you have to check those against scripture. So I, I can't do that with her. I can't talk with her and and see what the dream was about and kind of go over with it like that. But people do get dreams all the time. And you can get important messages from God in dreams. Uh, I know that there's a lot of Muslims, actually, that have been uh, seeing Jesus in their dreams and have been coming to Christ. So, so awesome. Oh, you know, it's amazing. It. Yeah, Praise it's God. amazing what God's done. Uh, but, again, you can't just, you can't do it halfway. There is no halfway Christian. You're either 100% in Jesus or you're not in him at all. And so, it's... It's great when when you see God pushing people and and and, and prodding people to to go do <laughs> what they're what they're supposed to be doing. So, and and I yeah, just hope that, for, that God's working. Amen. And I, I just hope that anybody that's kind of on the fence about Jesus or about God that you you do some more prayer, you you ask Him to to show Himself to you. It won't always be as clearly as as what she had. I, I've never had a, a direct communication from God like that. But I have had God communicate with me and push me and prod me and 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 guide me to what He wants me to know, um, and I can't even really explain how I I know that. But you know, I just I you you can kind of you kind of know that. And again, I'm checking all of these feelings that I have against what the Scripture says, and and that's incredibly important that you don't just go off 
and and believe whatever it is that you're feeling that you check your feelings against what was written down by the prophets thousands of years ago because ultimately that's that's the truth is what's mm -hmm. in god's word right and he Amen. intentionally spoke to us so that we would know the truth and i think he even says that in john he's like um i i i, I was i no longer call you slaves now i call you friend because i've revealed everything to you that the father revealed to me and like um some, something along those lines or yeah i can't, I can't it's something like that remember exactly. yeah <laughs> but basically he's saying that up until this point i've told you everything other than when i'm gonna return and even i don't know that so mm -hmm. that was that was really interesting to me that um that the father would um not even tell jesus that and i i'm, I'm that's that's a that'd be an interesting conversation to have too but yeah i was about to right. dive into that but we got some other stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so after that, Ryan, did you have that? Uh, we wanted to kind of react to something that uh, it was a it was a Catholic post, and really, if you're Christians, I um, we we gotta pray for our Catholic brothers and sisters that they would search the scriptures, like what yes. were they, the Bereans, and like mm -hmm. we 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 really gotta we gotta be biblical about our faith. We we gotta check everything to a standard, and the standard is God's word. We can't just feel things interpret things and roll with that like we have to we have to let the text speak for itself and sometimes sometimes there are some areas where we have to think about it and we got to pray about it and then you got to do that very seriously very thoughtfully and you know what i mean but let me okay. see uh, i'm trying to find where that ended up uh <laughs> i thought i had it i'm sorry uh we might just good. have to did I send it to you somewhere? You did. Okay. Um, it's going to be... It was in general in the in our, okay. in our Discord. Thank you. Yeah, we're trying to get it together, guys. We're doing our best. Doing our best. <laughs> we're three episodes away, guys. We're, we're three episodes away. All right. Let me see if I can pull that up on somewhere that you guys can see it that would be nice Let's see open math no can i just drag it to there we go okay let's go main or no uh web page okay cool. sweet now Don't I worry about me. Start... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm... Okay. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here's You've a meme. heard of the Trinity. Yes. Now get ready for the Quadrinity. <laughs> um, so, what we see here is a... Sorry, I'm trying to do two things at once. What we see here is a, a meme from some Catholics that I have been following on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to check out some spicy stuff going on over on Twitter with Christians and Catholics and all that kind of stuff, you can go follow me at asit.iswritten on Twitter, or you can find that over at aiiw.org. Um, and so what we see here in this picture uh, is some incredible blasphemy itself. <laughs> um, the uh, So what the meme says at the top is it says, you've heard of the Trinity, now get ready for the Quadrinity. Uh, the Trinity is the word for the triune God. We believe in a single God. We are monotheistic, but that that but that God has three distinct. Some would say personalities, others would say persons, 
there, there's varying ways to think about it. I don't want to definitively claim that they're a person or a personality. Uh, it's God. He's yeah. greater than I could possibly describe. Uh, <laughs> and so the three aspects of God or the three personalities of God that we see are the Father, uh, who we usually just refer to as God proper. We see the Son, also called Jesus Christ. And we see the Holy Spirit also. Uh, there really aren't other names for the Holy Spirit that I'm aware of. Um and so what we see in this picture is what Catholics do is they basically elevate this third person uh, this in the middle, this feminine, human-looking person, uh, who happens to be Mary, okay? So the text says, Blasphemy against the Blessed Virgin Mary, our queen and mother, is a blockable offense, but worse, it's also a damnable offense. So... I'll start off with the fact that I, I love Mary. It, she is blessed. Uh, she is blessed among women. But that doesn't mean that she is holy. That doesn't mean that she is sinless. That doesn't mean that she isn't a human being in exactly the same way that you or me or your mother was. Uh, and to elevate her to an office or a status that she shouldn't have is blasphemous itself and so what we see in this picture is, is blas it's funny the picture is calling out non-catholics for blasphemy while they're committing blasphemy themselves and so what what they're doing is they are elevating jesus christ's mother mary a human being who was born to two human beings herself okay she was born with sin exactly the same way that you or i would but they elevate her and call her the queen of heaven uh, and they also, basically what they're doing in this is they're they're showing her in a preeminent position in between Jesus and God almost. Now she's lower than Jesus and God technically, but being in the center is a is an elevation in a certain aspect as well. And, and they're crowning her. And, and essentially, they the way that the Catholics speak, it's as if Mary has as much sway in heaven as Jesus or God does. And it's just such a, a silly and, and pagan way to look at heaven, okay? In heaven, there is nothing like this going on. There, there, there is nothing like that ceremony that's happening or taking place, okay? Mary is just another saved person like you or me or anybody else. She doesn't have any, any special status because of the fact that she was Jesus Christ's mother. In, you, you, you in, see that in the scriptures too but go ahead um we'll finish yeah, yeah. before i totally no no, no 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 you totally derailed me i was i was kind of trailing off there okay. anyway um you see that in the scriptures when they when they try to come up and to jesus and say your mother and your brother are here and you know who who is my mother and who is my brother and he says you know my mother and my brother are those who obey the will of god or hear mm -hmm. the will of god and obey it and so he's basically saying my family are the ones who obey the father that that could be anybody and so yep. like we're not trying to like put mary down at all like especially like it's it, it, I'd, I'd say she's one of the heroes of the faith right up there with like moses and like uh, elijah and king david and all that other stuff she's just one of the heroes of the faith that you're gonna want to meet when you get to heaven you're gonna want to talk to mary mm -hmm. definitely do you know yep. what i mean but it's just elevating like just approaching the trinity with mary is just to me it, it puts my my back up so hard because like i just don't find it in the scriptures i don't even you know what i mean it's just it i i just yeah. don't get that from what i read it, it i don't understand why it's so important to them but but the catholic church has 
created, and I'm, I'm using this very specifically because the Catholic Church will claim that they've always believed this and that it's been believed by all true Christians since Jesus, basically. Really, they'll say since Peter. But um, they've, they've, they've created these Marian dogmas. Okay, that's what, the, that's what the fancy term would be, Marian dogma. Or a, what is a, a doctrine dogma? about? It's kind of like a doctrine or a belief. And uh, what, the, what the Catholic Church has done in the last few hundred years is they've elevated her. So uh, they believe that she was sinless at birth. So in, in addition to Jesus being sinless at birth, in order for Jesus to be born sinless, he had to come from a sinless vessel. Again, this is not Christian. This is not found in the New Testament or the Bible anywhere. But that is Catholic that the belief. Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she became uh, conceived with child or something like that. Like, right. That's kind of in the Gospels where it talks so, about that when she became pregnant. It doesn't really tell you the mechanics of it. It doesn't tell you the, the Bible doesn't speak as to Jesus, how Jesus was without sin. It just says that he was. And the mechanics of that is Jesus Christ is God. And so he came into uh, being uh, sinless. I, I don't know exactly how that works. I couldn't tell you. They they believe, again, based not on scripture, not on any kind of discernible anything except for their own beliefs and thoughts, they, they've decided that Mary was sinless and that she is the queen of heaven. Uh, so, there's a, again, there's a whole bunch of Marian dogmas. They all, there are some Catholics that will that will say that she ascended into heaven. Uh, and that she didn't actually die. There's some that say that her body was taken up into heaven after she died. Uh, there's all sorts of crazy, heretical Marian beliefs and dogmas that the Catholic Church she's supports. Probably, she's probably extremely important, respected, and revered in heaven, but not on the level I think Catholics are probably... You know, I, I, I couldn't tell you what level she may or may not be at. I don't know. Uh, I, I would imagine that... Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't even. I, honestly, I wouldn't we even begin to know because we don't. Yeah, it's not in the scriptures. Yeah, because we're we're entering a realm of speculation. If it, if we're talking about things that the scripture doesn't directly talk about, then we mm -hmm. are talking. We're speculating at that point. Yes, you know I mean? and so, so I, I again, I'm yeah. not going to speculate as to how Mary is or isn't seen. Honestly, I think Jesus sees her very similarly to the way he would see you or me as a sinner who's been saved by grace. Because at the end of the One day, of the sheep that he loves. Well, and, and like you said, she is one of his sheep. She is a created being who was ultimately created by Jesus. It's, it's really weird to think about, but Mary is a creature who was created by her son. And it's very weird and odd, but that by definition... Her son existed before Abraham. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah. you know, and, and you know, there, again, there's a lot of different... I th I would say blasphemous things that the, the Catholics believe about her. They they claim that she uh, was a perpetual virgin, so that's nowhere to be found in the scripture, and it's actually contradicted yeah, by he have the scripture. James and Jude, yeah, doesn't he? Didn't they bear more? Uh, bear more? Bear, bear more children? Yes. Yeah. Her and Joseph had children. Uh, James, Joseph, or uh, James, uh, I think Joseph, Judah, I believe, is one of his brothers. There, there's. A, uh, there, there's a, a few different brothers. Yeah, more he than has. just two. Yeah, he's got like three or four brothers and like oh, an wow. unknown number of sisters. Because the, the he has didn't some... count those in the genealogies and stuff. Yeah. No, they they weren't recorded, unfortunately. Um, so you know, 
Mary was not a perpetual virgin. She had other children. And it, it's so crazy to me how contradictory their own beliefs are. So if you go and you talk to a Catholic person, if they know what they're talking about, they'll say that it would be, um, it would be sinful for a wife to refrain from having sexual relations with their husband, okay? But for Mary, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's I, just... It's just so contradictory. You, you, you know what I mean? Because they are very serious about how many, you know, you're supposed to have a bunch of kids. You can't use contraception. You know, the, the, man, the man and the wife shouldn't uh, like refrain from having sex. What? I, I like um, uh, the, the, the two things you said. Like, they're not having a bunch of kids. Terrible. No, yeah, no, no how, like not using call... contraception and having a bunch of kids. I think those are really awesome with your wife. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just saying like, uh, I think those are, I think having a big family is like, I, I just like that idea. I'm just saying, I think those are good things. Encouraging people to, you know, have big families and not use contraception. I think that's awesome, but that's just my opinion, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I, they, they take it farther than, um, then it's just a good idea. So like, the large families I completely agree with. We, we should all be having as, as large a family as God blesses us with. Uh, if that's what you want to do, if you don't want to do that, you don't feel called to have a family as a Christian, I, I'm not going to say that that's what the Bible teaches, is that everyone must have children. Uh, but then some number two... Some people singleness, yeah. Yeah. And, and then... I, I had some other point, but it just escaped me. But, you know, it, it, it's... You're good. Yeah. So, it, I, I again, I love... Catholics, I don't believe that they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, for the most part. Uh, I think it is possible to be saved and in the Catholic Church, but I think that would be despite the Catholic Church's teachings. So then let me ask you a question, right? Um, <clears throat> so they recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. They recognize that his death on the cross, you know, remove, uh, uh, it, uh, washed them of their sins. They agree that he rose three days later. Um is that not enough? So if they add all this other stuff, if they let's say they 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 agree with that point, but they have all this other deception, is that not enough? Like so that that's kind of my thought is like wouldn't if they're if they believe in that in the, in the gospel, wouldn't that save them? And then if they um kind of adopt some heresy, does that like is that like do you get, kind of you want to speak to that? Yeah. Point for just so what what Paul talks about is that when you add works to grace, it makes grace not grace. Oh and so, no. Okay. So they they have added works to grace. Okay, what what the what the Catholic Church teaches is that they have what is it called the treasury of merit. Okay, so uh, what they mean by treasury is they basically mean a bank, and what they mean by merit they mean good works. So the Catholic Church has the keys. This was these are the keys to the kingdom that Peter got handed. Okay, again, this is Catholic teaching. This is not true. None of this is real. They have the Catholic Church teaches that they have the keys to the treasury of merit and that what they're doing when they perform mass and when they perform the other sacraments is they are dispensing that grace to the believers. So the and and, and the treasury of merit, sorry, let me let me this bank vault is filled not with Jesus Christ He's in there. Jesus Christ's merit is in there, but also all of the merit that was uh, that was that was merited by Mary like and all of the saints, and... all the uh, Peter, all nice. the disciples. Their good works, their their meritorious efforts, got put into this bank vault. 
okay, in heaven. This is literally what the Catholic Church believes, that, that their good works, all of the benefits from that get put into a vault, and that here on earth, the Catholic Church can take out of that vault those good works and have them applied to you so that you don't have to, or so, so that you can be saved, so that you don't have to spend time being punished in purgatory. Oh, my. Okay. And so... Every single thing that I just said is completely outside of the Bible. There is nowhere in the Bible that it talks about a treasury of merit. Nowhere does it say that I can have the the good works of another person applied to me. Nowhere does it say only that Jesus. <laughs> like the only thing you see in the Bible about good works is when is in when it when it when it's talking about Jesus or the like few things that I start to do as I become more like Jesus. Nowhere does it say that those can then be applied to me or I can take my good works and the church can then have them applied to you or any of that. That's all heretical. I think where they get that concept is that Jesus lived the perfect life for us. I think that's where they're getting the, the, the concept. Um, so yeah, we can't live. We can't, we can't obey the law. We're, we're that bad. We, we were born into sin and we start lying right away. We start deceiving our parents. We start like stealing mm -hmm. as little kids. Like we're, you just don't have to teach us how to do it. We're selfish by nature. It's just crazy. So like we basically are born into sin and we start, we get to it right away. And yep. so Jesus being born of the virgin, he lived a perfect, so he comes out sinless. And so he's able to reject sin in the same way that a Christian can do. And so it's, would you say? it's kind of uh, so so jesus of... jesus's ability to reject sin is is greater than than even a christian's my well, of ability course, we still have sin inside of us that yeah. our flesh too that just completely wars against us but yeah mm -hmm. so like i have a greater ability as a christian to reject sin and to not do it i'm still going to stumble and fall and and be sinful does that make sense so like Curse i have the a guy much in front of you that slammed on his brakes or something yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, like, there's times where I will do things that I shouldn't have done, and I'm still going to transgress against God, but it's going to be less and less every day, and I'm going to deal with it and 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 repent of it more properly every day. That's that's the idea of sanctification. Is not that you're immediately a, a perfect person, but that you are transformed into a better image of Christ uh, every single moment that you're you're alive. So, yeah, yeah it, you know, it's it's sad. I, I again, I love Mary, but she's not some. She she is not. Yeah, she's not. She's not God. She is a created creature the same way that you or I are. And, you know, I, I I'm very happy and, and very thankful for the sacrifices that she made in bringing Jesus into this world and the abuse that she uh, must have. Uh, endured because of it you know basically jesus yeah. was was a was considered by the world to be a bastard and so you know she got a, a ton of uh so flack. yeah flack or, or shame a bunch of scorn criticism abuse like people probably would you know yell at her something to the effect of bastards mom or you know something like that like literally that's that's the level of abuse that she might have been facing in her culture so i don't want to minimize what she did and, and the hardships that she went through but ultimately she's a sinner that's saved by grace the same way that i am and and she would say that too and i'm i'm just so thankful <laughs> i am so thankful that i don't believe that she can see or hear or know all of the blasphemous things that are being done in her name 
I mean, e even to the point, literally the Pope, uh, so the previous Pope, before he, as he was leaving his office, because he retired instead of died, which was weird, and the current Pope, when he started his ministry as Pope, they both dedicated their entire, the entire church to Mary. They literally said, to Mary, I put the hands, I put in Mary's hands the the Church of Christ to guide her and, and something to that effect. Both of them said basically the same prayer to end and to start their, their papal residencies. And it's Ugh. just so sick. It's so sick. The only Every person... Sorry. Yeah. No, it's usually the only person is Jesus Christ. Like, uh, I was going to pretty much say the same thing, that we anytime we offer up words of praise, it should be aimed at the Lord Jesus every mm -hmm. single time. Like, or God, you know, how, God himself. I mean, right, and, and, and so because God is a, a, the Trinity, I don't think it matters if you pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to Jesus, pray to the Father. I, I, even Jesus with his, like, model prayer, like, um, you know, O Father, thou, that is in heaven, right? You know what I mean? It, so... It's it's just one of those things. So like, uh, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily sinful to pray to the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to understand the the actual. So like, there is a f actual way that your phone mechanically works. Okay, so you you dial some numbers and then that connects physically. You know, there's a physical process that happens, right? Okay. There's also a an actual process that happens when we pray. And what we see in the Bible is that there is an intermediary between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. And so when we're praying, we are praying to the Father. Ultimately, he's the one that's collecting our prayers, but they're being transmitted by our high priest, Jesus Christ. So he's the one that's talking to God for us. And then God convicts us of our sins and, and, and sends messages to us through the Holy Spirit. And so just kind of understanding how that all works together I don't know if technically we're praying to the Holy Spirit or technically we're praying to Jesus. Uh, but like you said, again, I can't remember if this was in our conversation before the stream started or, or not. The groanings. You, yes, you were saying that there's that the Holy Spirit will groan for us, will, will essentially translate what we're saying into what the reality is and, and to what is righteous for us to be doing at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's probably yeah, it might be something like you pray, the Holy Spirit transmits it to Jesus, Jesus transmits it to the Father. When the Father communicates back to you, it comes back from the Holy Spirit. Like it's probably some interesting chain that happens and it's like all him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why yep. that's why when, I think it's really important anytime you pray and offer up words of praise that it do be directed at God and God alone. And Absolutely. that's just that's just cuz that's just who we are as biblical Christians and stuff. Mm -hmm. If there was if there was some teaching built into the entire Bible that was like, yeah, you know, this other thing, then we'd have to accept it because it's in the word, but we just don't see it. And you know what I mean? So, all right. Exactly. I, I um, will. If you if you can show it to me in scripture, I can accept it. But unless you can show to it to me, and prove it. It, yeah, unless you can show it to me and prove it to me that that's what God wants for my life using scripture, I don't believe it. And that's that's how you can ward off a lot of these false teachings from people like Catholics from people like Mormons and, you know, Muslims and, and even some of the, the more heretical, uh, Christian denominations like Jehovah's witnesses and those sorts of things. You can tell when they're lying to you, when they're do when something is wrong by, because you know, the, the Bible. And that's why it's so important to 
be like the Bereans in Acts 17, so 11, you you where we search the scripture daily. Uh, the, what was that? Was it just like in a single moment? You realized that the things just lined up too well? The video started playing. Dream, and this loud oh, thundering voice right. just yelled, um, we'll leave do the activity. It. Just, just leave okay. the activity. Sorry. No, sorry you're good. That. We are done with that. <laughs> okay, cool. So, sorry about that, guys. Again, three, three more, three more streams, and we'll be perfect. Three more streams, <laughs> we'll get there, and we'll be, we'll be there. All right. Um, so, did you have anything more you wanted to add before we move on with our continuation no, can, of the Gospel of John? We can move on. Uh, that was you, a yeah, lot of time. It was. <laughs> I'm glad so. we talked about all those things, though. It's, it's, I. We, whenever we make a, like an outline to do an episode and stuff, it's always nice to have, but I, I totally like um, when we have conversations that can just go wherever they want based on what we're talking about. It, it mimics more of what me and Ryan do when we're right before we're streaming and stuff like that. You know what I mean? so. Yeah. And I'm glad we're on the same page for that. Cause like, I'd much rather the conversation go where it goes and go with the flow rather than we have to stop right here and we have to go and talk about this other thing because that's on the that's on the schedule yeah <laughs> i don't think either of us are are terribly uh beholden to schedules when we don't have to be yeah um all right so <laughs> last time we left off we did the first two chapters of the gospel of john and just to kind of uh let's see where we were at so jesus cleared the temple basically and we talked about how um you'd try to bring your own animal but they'd have the pre-screened certified uh without blemish animal for the sacrifice because that's what was needed for your sins mm -hmm. at the time before jesus the lamb of god and then um right at the end of chapter two there we got um um i think it says something about nicodemus here um, and because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was is really like. And so then we are going to pick up in chapter 3. And then, Ryan, just for, for yeah, you, I do have you everything over. No, no, I, I was just letting you know I have everything over in the, um, the, the cool. page. Do you want me to All just right. read, so, uh, read this whole thing, the whole chapter real quick? I can... Is, it, is it pretty quick? Sure, yeah, if you want. Yeah, I can, I can do it pretty quick. All right, so John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have, eternal but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Uh, I, since we took a little bit longer for the uh, rest of the episode, you kind of want to cut it here in half. That's about half the chapter. Or yeah, there's there, there's so much to unpack right there, too. So um, really quick, what I wanted to ask is, do you have any background knowledge or factoids on Nicodemus? Yeah, so... Uh, like, who was he? Yeah, he's a he's a Pharisee, and so that's a that might you might not know what a Pharisee is, but there were two basic different religious groups in Israel, and because of how religious their whole entire nation is, those two religious groups also were in charge politically. Okay, and so uh, then on top of that, it's a really weird time politically for the Jews. So there's there's these Pharisees who are a political... It's almost like a political party. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, Is it like you know, liberal and conservative? Or it's, like... Exactly. It's almost exactly <laughs> the same thing. The, the more liberal Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection. Okay, so the Old Testament has a bunch of stuff on the Messiah, all this, sorts of, all this sort of thing. And you can they see all the... Afterlife, so that's weird. Yeah, so they believed in an afterlife, but you can see in Job. So Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, this is a story oh, wow. that happened even before uh, Moses took the people out of Egypt. What? Um, wow. So, yeah. And, and so even in that book, we see Job makes this very clear statement that I will see. Basically, I, I can't remember the specific line, but he says something to the effect of, uh, though I may die, I will live again. He he basically says, uh, even though my body's going to perish, you are going to God is going to resurrect me, and my body will exist at the end times, because that's what's been promised to me by God. And so, even Job had that understanding of a resurrection, and that there would be you would be in your physical body. But we fast forward. This is thousands of years later to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees didn't. And so there's a lot of other differences between the two groups as well, but that's the basic one. Basically, okay. one believed that what God said is going to happen and the other believed that, would, that, believed that what God said was more of a spiritual uh, thing. Now, they both end up being wrong and both of these groups end up missing the Messiah when they were called to look for him but that's kind of the background of the beliefs of these different groups. Okay. So the Pharisees actually do believe that everyone will be resurrected, but even they, for the most part, didn't see Jesus Christ as the Messiah when he came and when he's physically, you know, talking to them in, in front of them. Uh, and so Nicodemus is a Pharisee. So he, 
is of the group that believes in the resurrection. Um, and so what that probably means is that he's a little bit more inclined to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. So if I'm a Sadducee and I don't even oh, wow. believe that resurrection is a thing, believing that there's going to be an actual Messiah that comes is less likely as well. So I don't know what their exact beliefs were about the Messiah, but I would imagine it was less literal than the beliefs that the Pharisees had. And so Jesus is having this conversation with a Pharisee. Uh, this is also a very prestigious role. You weren't, you didn't just roll out of a, out of bed one day and call yourself a Pharisee. You had to go through a whole ton of different stuff. Uh, I believe one of the uh, requirements to be a Pharisee is that you had to be married. Uh, so there's a, a few different things, you know, requirements. You have to kind of like rise through the ranks and prove yourself to like the to the people and stuff. Yeah. To a certain extent. Again, I'm not 100% sure as to what those were, so I'll, I'll try not to make any claims that aren't true. Um, right. But so what we see is that this is a very learned man. He's not, you know, again, it's not just some Joe Schmo off the street. Um and so it's interesting in verse two, it's, it's, it says that uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, so this would have been a very weird thing. You weren't going around at night and talking to people and, and doing things at night very often in, in older times. Okay. It, they didn't have streetlights. They didn't have a police force. If something happened to you at night, you were just out of luck. And so what you're doing at night is to to do something that's shady or to do something that you don't want other people to know about. And so this rat, this well, Pharisee, also the Sanhedrin said they declared that if anybody thinks that Jesus is the Messiah, that they'd get kicked out of the synagogue pretty much like So that's what was going on. Like, at a, I don't, yeah, not at, a certain at this point. time. Yeah. But at, later on. Yeah. So it's like, um, I think generally because the consensus was among the Pharisees that we don't like Jesus and he's a Pharisee, he couldn't just be like, Oh, well he's kind of, well, let's hear him out guys. Like, you know what I mean? He, uh, everybody <laughs> yeah. just like was hating on him. So he had to like either play along or just keep silent. Do you know what I mean? So, that's yep. probably that's my um uh, uh, kind of guess there is he probably just didn't want his peers kind of knowing what uh what he was doing so but that's kind of I don't know well exactly and so you could kind of see that like this guy's making some crazy claims if it turns out that he isn't the messiah and I went and met with him publicly now my name is attached to him and so there's going to be other people that follow him Makes because sense. they heard that Nicodemus was following him so it's just a whole big deal so he couldn't just come up to Jesus and start asking questions. He had to do it silently by night, not silently, but stealthily by night. Um, and he does he does start off by calling Jesus a rabbi, which is a, a good start. You know, he's a teacher um, and that he came from God. So he acknowledges that that he's saying things that are godly, um, you know, because he's seeing the mirror. Like these people are all see seeing the miracles that Jesus Christ is is doing. OK. Um, and so then Jesus hits him with this and, and, you know, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then <laughs> in, in verse four, we see Nicodemus take it very literally. He's like, wait, so a man can't go back into his mother's womb. Right. So how do you mean by born again? That, that doesn't make any sense. And He's so really confused right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so next is a verse that causes a ton of confusion for modern believers. So we see in verse four here, Jesus answered him and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Ah, so I know, I know where this is going. <laughs> so there's a lot of confusion on this, where a lot of people think Jesus is saying that you need to be baptized here, yeah, uh, in order to be saved. There's a few different ways that you could take this that don't mean that. Uh, the way that I take it, the way that I believe this is, uh, it, it, what this is saying is. Jesus is when he's talking about water, he's not talking about baptismal water. He's talking about uh, when you know how when you're born, it says that your mother's water broke. So when the birth process starts, yeah. OK, yeah. when you're when you're born, okay. when you're when you're in your mother's womb, you're surrounded entirely by water. OK, like 100 percent, not 100 percent, but like ninety nine point nine percent of what you're swimming around in in that amniotic fluid is water. So. When Jesus describes it as water and not amniotic fluid, it's understandable. But what he's saying is you need to be born of water, so that's the first live birth that your mother did, and that's what they were talking about earlier when Nicodemus says, you know, you can't, can he enter a second time into his, his mother's womb? So Jesus is saying you need to exit your mother's womb. That's the first birth by water. And then the second one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the effectual baptism is a baptism of, of the Holy Spirit and fire. And again, it's very confusing where the Bible uses the word baptism in a, in a few different ways. One way it's talking about is the ability for me to go and repent of my sins and then be baptized as a sign of that repentance. Okay. And so that's what new believers do when they get uh, converted. You go and you get baptized as a, as a sign that you've changed your opinions and changed your beliefs and your allegiance is now with Jesus. But what's happening in heaven spiritually is the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there was a spiritual baptism of uh, fire and the Holy Spirit that happens. And so when Jesus is saying this, my belief is wow. he is saying that we need to have a physical birth. Okay, so that's, you know, anybody that's alive, you can check that off the, um, the list here. But then you also need to have a spiritual rebirth. And so that's what happens when you give your life over to Jesus Christ. There is actually something that's happening spiritually, but it, it doesn't need for the a, a priest sprinkling a couple drops of water on me or my pastor dunking me into a bathtub isn't what's actually saving me. It's the spiritual heavenly baptism that's taking place that actually effectually saves me so if my grandma is a, a woman of faith and she's just like i am not getting baptized she's 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 cool so i, I i'm just I yeah, i'm just giving you yeah, a yeah. theoretical like yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if you are unwilling to get baptized i would then start to question your salvation okay why is that so if you're just you're not willing you're, to like submit yourself to god or something like well because you've, you've been commanded to get baptized Okay, there are commands. Oh, it is a commandment. Yeah, you're you are supposed to go and get baptized, but mm. it's not a necessity to be saved. There, there's a difference. There's a difference between things that God has commanded generally for Christians to do, and the one thing that will mm. save you. Okay, mm, so okay, God's okay. commanded us to do a whole host of things that there's we're not going to do. That we're not going to do well. Okay, God's commanded me to go out and preach the gospel to people. I might not go out and do that properly. I might not do that enough. Uh, I, you know, I didn't do that for the first 20, 25 years of my life, like at all. <laughs> okay. Um, 
so if I had died in that at that point, I would still I still would have been saved. Okay, but if uh, so, but what actually saves me is the blood of Jesus Christ and my faith in Him. So as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ and and Him alone, that's what saves you. Uh, not the the works that you do or don't do. And so when God has a commandment for me to go and get baptized, even if I don't get baptized or I uh, am incapable of getting baptized, I can I'm still saved. But refusing to be baptized, that now is a, a different level, world, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like if you just you're don't saying get... like, if you're like, saying if I give my life to Christ and somewhere between my appointment to get so and it's like I give my life to Christ and I told my church I want to get baptized and they're like yeah sure we have one coming up in like two weeks and then I get into a car accident and die you're like yeah you're totally fine like you gave yes. your life to Christ. It's not an issue that you didn't get baptized. You shouldn't worry about your soul if you didn't go and get baptized, right? But be, but because you are commanded to... Okay, it's exactly. Ought. We yes. ought to get baptized. Mm -hmm. We ought to do these things as Christians, yeah. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, we should get baptized. We should do those things, but the baptism itself is not saving you. And again, we can look back at the thief on the cross that was hanging there next to Jesus. He was a sinner. He wasn't capable of getting baptized he wasn't capable of doing anything his his hands were completely immobilized his feet were completely immobilized but he was still able to be saved jesus christ was still able to save him because what we're talking about is not physical what we're talking when we're talking about baptism of, of the holy spirit that's not a physical thing that happens to you that is a spiritual thing that happens to you in a way that you don't even necessarily comprehend here on this planet in this, you know, version of reality. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll All keep right, on so going. That was, that was mm -hmm. Nicodemus, right? And so the other thing, and you also covered um, being born again. And then we also have in there the, the John 3.16, which is like the gospel in a verse, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the whole God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him uh, shall not perish but have eternal life. It's essentially like, and then I heard, um, I think it was Philip de Corsi saying like, um, if if you're born once, you, you, you'll you die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll die once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, it, it was really cool. Like basically talking about like, there is what's called in the Bible, the second death. And that's mm -hmm. when you die and you you go to the other side and your faith is not in Christ. Um, to speak to it and put it into a, an, an analogy, um, all the people who are in Christ will be, what is it, the wheat? And all the people who are outside of Christ will be the chaff. And there will be a separation of the wheat and the chaff. And like um, basically everything that isn't in Christ will be cut off. Every bad branch that doesn't bear fruit will be cut off in essentially. And Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. So there's you you it's it's urgent that you put your faith in Jesus like it's really really urgent that you like like look this up like look, read the gospels decide for yourself and all this kind of stuff but it, um, Jesus is something that you should intellectually look into and pursue for sure well spiritually yeah yeah definitely. all right are you ready for the neck um, um let's see what what else is in the bottom of that chapter let's see yeah yeah so we'll 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 look a little bit more at uh john three sixteen, and then 17 is is one that a, peop a lot of people don't know um oh where did where did you stop sorry uh i i did all the way up until uh verse 21 okay um and so in in verse seventeen, so let's let's just read. I'm going to read John three sixteen and seventeen for context. Okay. 
for Do God it. so <laughs> John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved and so the the verse the verse 16 is certainly um an incredibly impactful verse and and by itself it's incredibly powerful in, in the message that it conveys. But I, I think it's incredibly important to include 17, okay? Because God didn't, at this time, this first time, did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it, right? And and I, I think that that's a, a, something that a lot of people don't understand, is that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it that time, but in Revelation, he's doing some he's doing some condemning, okay? Like, there is going to be a time of condemnation. There is going to be a time where we end up paying for the uh, the sins that we've committed unless we are in Christ. Uh, and well, and you were saying Jesus is your savior or your judge, and so that's that's kind of like mm -hmm. the issue, right? So yeah, well, and you were saying that uh, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you die twice. And let me let me explain that a little bit for everybody. So obviously we all know the the one time that you're going to die is a physical death where you, you know, you're you leave this body and and go to a another place. Okay, that other place is not hell. Uh it's been described as a few different things. I use the word sheol. It's kind of like a holding cell. So uh if you're familiar with uh prison versus jail, the Sheol is like jail. It's like a holding place where you're going to get uh, taken for until you get processed, until until you get your trial. And so your trial will happen at the end of eternity as God is about is judging everybody. And then will at the end of that judgment, uh, he will separate everything. He's going to separate those that uh, are his followers that, that have his salvation are going to be able to continue living eternally. And what will happen is everything else that went against God, the devil, uh, all of the other demons, all of the sinners in the world are going to get hurled into a place called the Lake of Fire. And so that will be a place of eternal torment and judgment and torture uh, that we can't even possibly comprehend. So, yeah, it's it's like some people will will focus only on the good parts of like Jesus and of like scripture and stuff there's a whole like like he's 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 basically the one one saying that there's like there's an appointed time for judgment and he doesn't want you to be in that position he wants yep. you to have faith and so it's like really urgent and so like um as as much as many as there are uh uh scriptures that make you feel really good about like jesus and he's like oh that's a breath of fresh air there's also some scriptures that are like whoa jesus it's, like whoa I, like that's like, serious stuff that you're saying like yeah like legitimately it's like twice as much of the hellfire and brimstone <laughs> than the good feelings if you're thinking uh, my God wouldn't send anybody to hell, just read your Bible then. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty and, nuts because like well okay so that'll let, that'll stomp that out real quick. Well, and let's you know let's uh, let's unpack that statement because a lot of people get mad at God for you know quote sending people to hell. The the yeah, reality I is that, that wrong, but yeah no 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 <laughs> you you phrased it in the way that that everybody says it right and and I don't fault you for that one bit. 
but ultimately it's not God that's that's sending you to hell. It's your sin that separated you from God and caused him to to need to eternally separate you. And and I think that's important because what God did is so incredible is he sent his son to pay for that despite not needing to. God could justly just destroy us all eternally in, in the pits of hell, okay? And he would be a completely just God. But because he's also perfectly merciful, even though we've sinned and transgressed against him, he still wants to have that relationship with us despite that and, and, and wants to save us and has provided this path that cost him a lot, okay? Like, you don't think about God having costs to things and, you know, he doesn't in the same way like his bank account can't go to zero, but he experienced that pain that Jesus Christ went through to a certain extent. He experienced the pain of a father losing his child. Like the, the, the things that God did for us through Jesus and the pain that he felt because of that is absolutely incredible. And so it, it, there's just a, a lot of people that, you know, that say that God sent us to hell. No, you sent yourself to hell because of the actions that you took. And then you double sent yourself to hell because you refused the lifeline that God provided. Okay. Like that's, this is that's... the judgment that the light came into the world. Then you refused it. Yeah. That's basically mm -hmm. what, what we were reading earlier. Yeah, exactly. Man, John, just the gospel of John, like the first chapter and a lot of the like Romans, it clears up so much like questions that denominations have. Like if you just read God's word, it, like, I think denominations and human beings get in the way of like what God's yep. trying to say to a lot of people. And if you just take that scripture and crack it and read it, you know what I mean? It, it's well, uh, and, and that's yeah. that's why what we see in the early church isn't a huge overarching structure. OK, the the Catholic Church, the, the Roman, the Romanist Catholic Church. It, that existing as a big umbrella that thousands and thousands of churches all claim wasn't a thing in, you know, 35 AD. What you saw at that early stage was each city had churches. And, and even Rome, like, was a big enough city that it had multiple churches. And so by the time that Paul ends up writing Romans, he's talking about how there are multiple independent church structures that are in these cities. Um, but because of our own sinful nature and our own desire to carry on our own human traditions, we set up these denominations and these, these traditions that are almost above scripture in certain ways. Definitely in the Catholic church, the traditions and the teachings of the church are above scripture. They claim that's how scripture was created was through the teachings of the church. And so, you know, I, these denominations that all, that all exist, I don't see, I, like I grew up going to a Baptist church. I don't consider myself a Baptist anymore. I, I don't think that there is a place to consider yourself part of a different denomination as a Christian. Either you're, you're part just a of follower of Christ. Well, either you're part of the one true universal church or you're outside the true universal church. Those are the only two options. And so even different churches that call themselves different denominations, they're really part of the same church. Yeah. Ultimately. And so like Yeah. You know, I just yeah, so kinda got got a little little long winded there. <laughs> no, um, you're fine. But uh, all right. So I just um, I, did you all right? So did you have anything yeah, else sorry. 
No, I was just going to say that, I, I again, I love my Catholic friends. I, I don't have anything against them personally. I fear for them, right? Like, I, I absolutely am afraid for their, their eternal salvation because they've put their faith and their trust into a, a human organization rather than the, the one true God and creator of the universe. Um, basically, if, um, if you could say, like, like a few like a like a statement to them that they would actually sincerely listen to what would that statement be man i wish i knew that statement <laughs> but uh the the <laughs> the simplest thing i can say is is please go read the new testament and don't but but try to do it from uh the 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 mentality or the thinking of a child okay so if you went into and you read the new testament just as if you without any preconceived notions without any understanding of what a priest is without knowing what the mass is any of that you would not find any of the distinctives that make the catholic church the roman catholic church okay if you just went and you read it without any of those preconceived notions there's no priests not in the same way that the catholic church has there's no mass not in the same way the catholic church has peter it isn't the head of the church the way that they claim just all of their claims melt away in a simple, liter not literal in every sense, but a serious, simple reading of the New Testament. So that that's what I would hope and pray that they do, is, is just go read that book. Please. <laughs> Please yeah, go read it's it. The, <laughs> like, it's probably the easiest way to ensure that you're not following some misguided or misinterpreted belief. It's quite literally taking your own faith into your own hands and reading the scriptures mm -hmm. and like uh, um again there's like the whole terms eisegesis and exegesis and uh, one means um reading into the text like you're coming into the text reading it with these lenses of like catholicism and the other one is just letting the text speak for itself and i think that's kind of what ryan is hinting yes. at with like come at come at this from like a child's lens like i'm just gonna read this book and i'm just gonna let it tell me what it wants to tell me and that and he's yeah, he's saying, like, you're not going to see the stuff that you're kind of being taught and just kind of let your own scriptures that you claim to be bound to, like, you know, teach you and, like, let that guide you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, again, I have no hatred towards anyone because of their beliefs, but I, I have a great fear for people that don't believe in the one true God and in the sacrifice that his son made and that being sufficient. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. We've got you stopped at chapter 21. So let me take 30. Uh, what you I want, think is 30 seconds to read the rest of it. Do you want to do you want to continue uh, from verse 22? Do you want to read it? or Do yeah. you want me to? OK, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Um, yeah, if you then want. Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. Um, I'm reading from the NLT. Jesus spent some time um, with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met at the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare 
a way for him or the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hears his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. That's so awesome. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's judgment. All right. Was, um, let's see what we got here. <clears throat> so... They come to, um, do, did Jesus personally himself baptize people? Because I think in other areas of the scriptures, it says that his disciples were the ones baptizing people. Was, yeah, was I, Jesus personally baptizing I, people? I don't think so. Uh, so so I, I think later on in, in this gospel, it, it basically says that Jesus himself never baptized that um, his, his disciples did. So that's kind of interesting. But um, um, I, yeah, we'll so get there I, eventually. <laughs> uh, I, I would argue, like, I, I don't, I can't think of him ever baptizing anyone. And can you imagine the people that, what you would claim if you had been baptized by Jesus Christ himself? Like, well, that's why just, Paul was like, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you except for these two people, because then you'd be like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy of Paul. <laughs> and so he basically says the same thing, yeah. Exactly. So just can you imagine then that person has a whole cult that, that builds up around them because they were baptized by Jesus, and so they're more holy than you. And I, I could imagine that there were even people, if if there were people that thought Peter was the leader at the time, which I don't think there were, but if there were, I could see people going, I was baptized by Peter or I was baptized by Paul or I, you know, it's, it's just so that's horrible. What, I think that's what he was saying was happening. He's yeah. like, some say you're a, uh, you're a follower of Apollos and some say you're a follower mm -hmm. of Paul or, and like, yeah. So, exactly. All right. So, and uh, so right here, we just have it. Um, what is it? Does it say in your translation, the same thing that Jesus was baptizing people? I can go to a different translation. Really quick. Oh, did it, actually, did it actually say that Jesus baptized people? Yeah, it was saying oh, yeah, um, in, okay. the, in the NLT, it was saying that um, then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went to, into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. So let me look in the oh, interesting, NKJV. Yeah. All right, yeah. so this says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also, oh, whoa. So in the NKJV, it's just saying he remained with them and baptized. Let's see what King James is, is going to say. So you could, interesting. All right, after okay. these things, and this is King James, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. So interesting. Okay, so... This is, ver what verse is it again? This is John chapter 3, verse 22. Okay. So I am using an interlinear Bible. Ooh. And what's going on? Yes. What <laughs> that means is that for the New Testament, it is looking at the actual Greek that we have and translates that kind of word by word. And so we do get... due diligence here. <laughs> so, and so one of the things that, 
that happens with these translations and with with other languages in general is things can get a little bit confusing. And so, uh, no, verse twenty two it says, uh, oh, you know what? This isn't quite the right one, but I'll, I'll see what it happens. Okay, so after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. So I want to find, let me see, the Bible Hub, John 3. So, uh, yeah, this is what I wanted. Okay, 22. So right now, we are going to look at each one of the Greek words in this verse. Okay, and we're going to see how that translates into English. Does that make sense? So, okay. uh, like, do you, can you see my screen? I can't remember. Yeah. So, meta so, Ethan yes. would be like after these things came. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. So, meta means after these things. Uh, and so came Jesus and the disciples, and so you can see this isn't in the right order for English. So, if I were to read these Greek words in order, it says after these things came Jesus and the disciples of him into the Judean land. And there he was staying with them and was baptizing. And so. Because mm. I so <clears throat> one of the things that I'm trying to look at by looking at the Greek here is, is this term baptizing and was baptizing? Is that specifically referring to Jesus? Because in the previous sentence, it has... just saying what the group was doing? Exactly, because it says uh, Jesus and the disciples. So it could have been that the other... Okay, so there's a few ways we can look at this. Because I don't know if Jesus did or didn't actually baptize people, and I'm still I don't think not... he did. I think when we get further in the scriptures, it says Jesus himself did not actually okay. um, baptize. I'm, I'm, I've been listening <clears throat> to this on audio Bible for like a couple of weeks now. I'm almost positive, but we'll get there eventually in like the subsequent yeah. chapters. But... Uh, that that's a, a perfect uh, it, it's a great question and something for people to think about you know um did did that's jesus baptize your that's why this is so important to be able to go back to the greek and see what the greek was trying to say because now in the greek it's just saying was was he tarried with them and was baptizing and so it's like you, it's hard to draw the line between was jesus himself baptizing or was that's what the group was doing mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so it yeah and i can see I, what you mean and I don't know Greek well enough to know because each one of these words is very specific as to what's happening. And, you know, when it says Jesus and the disciples, that's uh, Jesus Kai Hoi Mathetai or something like that, right? Um, that I, could I be that's one. That's why um, uh, we're, we're the, the, in the Mexican culture, they get the name Jesus, right? Yes, that... yes. So. Uh, the originally in hebrew the the word jesus is yeshua and the uh when it's translated from hebrew like we had in the old testament it gets translated as joshua and so uh the book of joshua is actually the book of jesus <laughs> that's, oh that's, that's the that's yeah. what the name means so uh and, you could just it's as, weird because they wanted to make a distinction but yeah it's all the same name yeah I, to be honest, I don't even know if it was because somebody wanted to make a distinction, but because they get translated from two different languages. Again, all these issues come with translations, mm. okay? 
And so the original, again, I believe that that the original transcript of the Bible is perfect. So as the pen went to the paper from the original prophet or apostle that wrote it, I believe that manuscript was perfect. And that I think it's muddied a little bit when we start yes. um, having groups of people translate things into English and stuff like that. It gets really muddied once you start translating it into a different language. It's it you lose things just translating it word for word. You might mess up a letter or might misinterpret a letter here and there. Well, Whereas... also the issue is like in the Hebrew language they don't write down was it like consonants or like vowels and so basically when you're translating you have to fill that in and then so... if you use the wrong <laughs> vowel or consonant it like changes like text meanings and stuff mm -hmm. or something like uh... yep so, so... It, it gets really tricky so well and you kind of have to diligently seek him <laughs> <laughs> well the other thing is uh see how there's spaces between these words so meta I actually don't tauta. see anything. the stream is paused for me oh sorry about that um well, there you go. If i can't yeah okay so in between meta and tauta and elthan and ho and jesus okay we have inserted spaces okay the space oh. is a modern is a modern convenience when they were writing, it was just all block texted. It was all—I don't know about Greek, but uh, I know that in Hebrew, it was all just block texts. <laughs> so, okay. so you don't even know—you don't even know if those two or three letters are one word or part of a bigger word, or oh if it, no! So, so oh, you no. have to. So, as a translator, you have to determine what is one specific word versus the another word. It's like you sending me a paragraph message and you didn't use the space bar at all. Oh my, it, I'd have to sit there and be like... <laughs> it would be like... Uh, what would be... I would say it would be like I'm talking about... Uh, I don't even know, but like... It would be like... Um, oh, I'm talking about Kanye, so I put yay, but then I have a the at the end of it. So is it yay, the, or is it yet he? <laughs> oh, interesting. Right? So, if, so like, because of our modern conveniences and actually having a space, we can easily determine that difference. But if it's all just written one letter after the other, how do I know that one of them is a proper noun and the other one's a word? And where does that proper noun start? Where does the other word start? Yeah, it's just sense. a whole You'd nightmare. You kind of have to, kinda have to um, learn a little bit about the, the Hebrew language and culture, and that would have to help you with how you go about that and stuff you know the language exactly and, yeah. exactly so it's it's the, there's a lot of places where errors can creep into translations and all that sort of yeah. thing so i i don't believe any specific translation is inspired so there's uh recently been i i, I think it was the passion translation so forgive yeah, me if it's the, the wrong translation trans nope, uh, the, that's the, it. you're right the 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 guy who wrote that claimed that his translation was inspired so Oof. He claimed that on top of the, the fact that the Bible itself, the original manuscripts, is written by the prophets, by Moses, by John, whoever wrote them. Did he say them, he has special revelation or something like that? Yes, he was saying that God specially revealed to him certain no. translations for things. And that's where you get into problems. Yes, that's where you get Mormonism. That's where you get Islam. That's where you get, I believe, Catholicism. Uh, Catholicism didn't write a new Bible the way that Islam did. Uh, they added in a new Bible with their traditions and with the writings oh. of the Pope. Um, yeah, but it's it's the you know, it's it's all the it's all the same same kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. So 
it, it, it's crazy <laughs> yeah it, it really is um, oh wow we're well, right we up on to... two hours yeah we we had a lot of good stuff to talk about we got through chapter three of of john um there's there's so much to unpack and, and go through every time you're reading scripture and honestly you could read the same book over and over again and keep unpacking layers and stuff but mm -hmm. and, and we'll you will and yeah yeah As I, a... i've already experienced that too Yep. And as a Christian, you should be in the scriptures daily being fed by the, the word of God that, that we've been given. Like the, basically the way that it describes it in the Bible, the, the Hebrews back when they were leaving Egypt were given manna from heaven. And, and to a certain extent, we've been given this manna that we need to be eating from uh, out of the scripture. We have the true bread from heaven now in Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. So. Well, all right, guys, my name is Austin, and you can find me at ApostlesAddict.com. Remember to comment on any of the videos on our YouTube channel to enter yourself into our giveaway. And just to, as a reminder, basically, if you comment and leave a question for us to address on any of the videos, it will enter you into a raffle where I give away something from my website. That will be a T-shirt. And so there's a lot of uh, designs on the website. You can go ahead and check that out at ApostlesAddict.com. Um, and Ryan, what? where can we find all of your stuff? Yeah, you can find all of my personal stuff over at AIIW.org. Uh, so I've got a YouTube channel and uh, TikTok and a few other places that I go live personally. Um, you can find those there and go check it out. It's a lot of stuff like that video that we showed earlier. Uh, I'll do a couple of those videos every week usually. Uh, try to Some do... good looking content, man, honestly. Thank you. <laughs> it's taken a while to get there. The A year ago, I wouldn't have necessarily said that, but... Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. So, uh, and uh, I'll All try right. to do some uh, shorter videos and shorts and things for uh, this channel as well. So keep your eyes out for that. Yeah, Ryan does a lot for this channel, guys. <laughs> we both do. We both do. It's not like any one of us works harder than the other. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, brother. Of All course. Right. <sighs> okay. All right, everybody. There. That yeah. we will. I hope that you all have a very blessed week, that God blesses you. And if you're not a Christian, you come to Christ. And if you are a Christian, you uh, do a little bit more to spread the gospel. All right, everybody. Absolutely. Goodbye. Amen. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>